Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. In college football, we tend to sort of wish things away. Like, oh, I can't wait till rivalry weekend or I can't wait till week four or whatever it may be. I'm telling you, let's just enjoy this right now because this is the end of an era in college football. Also worth noting, Travis Hunter, I don't think he's gonna be in college football for all that much longer. Let's enjoy him while he's here. But welcome into the hard count. We got a lot to unpack here on today, Wednesday. September 6, 2023, the Nothing But Ball poll is about to drop here in this very show. You know how we feel about rankings and polls and projections. We love them. We appreciate them. But even so, there's a lot of additives, a lot of high fructose corn syrup that goes into some of these different rankings and polls and whatever it may be. We watch college football from sunup to sundown on Saturday afternoons. We watch the ball, we tell you who the top teams are, and that's pretty much where it is. College football and nothing else. We're glad to have you here. This is the Hard Count, the People's College Football Show. We're here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're glad to have you here. If this is your first time, like I was talking about a second ago, though, Travis Hunterman, I don't think he's going to be in college football for a ton longer. I understand he's not going pro after this year. But what he's doing at Colorado, even in a one-game sample size, is special we need to all kind of get on the same page as to how impressive this is and then also just kind of evaluate what he is right now for Colorado and what they're going to do with him going forward. Along those same lines, how do they manage him in week two? Heck, what does Coach Prime and company do for an encore in week two? Because they're no longer that underdog. Yes, there was a lot of hype. Yes, there was a lot of talk about them all offseason. But they rolled into Fort Worth, Texas as 20-point dogs and then handled business, handed TCU and L got back to Boulder, Colorado. What happens this weekend where they're now favored by three? 
I want to learn about that. I also want to learn about the Ohio State quarterback battle. Is Devin Brown in the mix? Because I saw Kyle McCord play pretty much all the snaps. Saw Devin Brown get like a series or two this past weekend. Is that thing decided? A lot that we have yet to learn from week two. What else do we want to learn? We'll talk about that here a little bit. A lot being talked about with Clemson. A lot, a lot of irresponsible things being said about Dabo Sweeney and the direction of his program. A lot of people saying Clemson is done. Are they done? Are we sure we want to just write them off because they lost to a quarterback who may go in the first round on a Monday in Durham, North Carolina? Like, We'll talk about that. We'll break that down just a little bit. Got some thoughts on that one. Before we do that, though, I want to get into where the upsets may be at. And you know how we do this year on this show, if you've tuned in for a length of time. When we talk about upsets, we're not trying to make our prediction on the money and call that we got Colorado beating TCU or whatever it ends up being, even though that did happen. And we did not put it at a percent chance that was above 30. So that's on us. When it comes to the upsets this coming weekend, though, where should we be looking? Who's on uh, the upset alert? Who's on the radar, if you will? Got a couple of games for you. And the first of which being, I wasn't even sure if we should put it on the upset alert radar because you look at the spread and Notre Dame is a seven and a half point favorite. So just around a touchdown against NC State. This would be an upset purely in a perspective of what it would mean for the college football landscape. Notre Dame now flirting with the top 10 ranking. If NC State were to slay Notre Dame, the impact that would that would send across the college football landscape would be massive. And make no mistake, there is a path here for this to happen. Vegas thinks so as well. Notre Dame yet to play any Power 5 teams. They walk into Raleigh, North Carolina, and that would be the second, I guess, upset, quote-unquote, in that state in the last calendar week. Um, sleepy noon kickoff. You know, we, we don't know a ton about what NC State's going to be. Kind of ho-hum against UConn. Oh, barely got it done. 24-14. I still think Brennan Armstrong is extremely dangerous playing quarterback for them. Very mobile. Um, reunited with his offensive coordinator, Robert and I. And they made magic at Virginia together and put him into that conversation of him being like a top five quarterback going into 2022. Didn't happen that way after Robert and I left. Don't write off NC State, especially don't write them off at home. If NC State jumps on this thing early, could get very risky. So we'll talk more about Notre Dame a little bit later in this show, but the best defensive player they have faced will be against NC State. It's not saying a ton because, again, the first Power 5 opponent they're playing, but Peyton Wilson is a name that I think a lot of people need to know nationally. He is an absolute dog playing linebacker for them back there. Keep an eye on him and how he impacts that run game for Notre Dame. If NC State kind of sells out to stop the run, we've talked a lot about the receivers at Notre Dame and can they separate, can they be explosive in the pass game? I think we find out this coming weekend. I think we find out. So we're not picking NC State to upset Notre Dame. And again, upset we use very, very loosely there. I understand the spread doesn't really indicate this being like an upset territory, but optically it would be, the headlines would, would be, hey, Notre Dame gets upset by NC State on the road, whatever. 41% chance for us of this upset happening based on our very, very specific and uh, calibrated calculations as to what this could mean. Uh, let's go to another one, though, that's a little bit more a little bit more true to the upset definition in nature, and that's SMU going to Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma hung 70 points on Arkansas State. They looked great. Defense looked awesome. You saw Jackson Arnold get in in the second half. That was really fun to see. Dylan Gabriel's dealing. He hit the more for the two-and-a-half total touchdowns. Shout-out prize picks. SMU, though, man, Preston Stone's playing quarterback for them. Preston Stone could have gone to a lot of different schools. Preston Stone is a Power 5 quarterback at SMU. 
I know folks that were at SMU previously, they're not there anymore, but people that played with both Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone, Tanner Mordecai, obviously a Power 5 quarterback now at Wisconsin, was at Oklahoma, can sling the rock, can Tanner Mordecai. And when he was at SMU, I was told Preston Stone was pushing him as a true freshman. Like Preston Stone's ability in itself makes this game fascinating. He's a cool customer, man. He, he is cool like a seventh grader walking out of lids. We've all been there. They're going to score some points against Oklahoma. Rhett Lashley's offense, going to dial it up. They are swinging for the fence on the road in Oklahoma. Jordan Hudson, five-star wide receiver for us here at On3. He was the number two wide receiver in his class, according to us here at On3. Okay, he transferred from TCU. A lot of schools wanted him when he jumped into the portal. You heard Auburn in the mix. I believe A&M was on the radar for him. Jordan Hudson is a big-time player. So I'm seeing a quarterback. I'm seeing a big-time wide receiver. What do we say about upsets? All it takes is one matchup. You may not have all 11, but if you have one out of 10, you can make that one work to your advantage consistently, and that's just the well you keep going back to, especially on the outside where you can kind of isolate a matchup. Keep an eye on this game. I'm expecting this one to be a track meet. I like SMU to potentially cover that 15 I think there is a little bit of a lower chance of upset since it's in Norman and what we saw last week from Oklahoma. I still think that Oklahoma is further along defensively than what we saw last year, but they will get tested in this game. For what it's worth, we put this at a 36% chance of an upset for the Mustangs. Now, this was a team that we're about to talk about here that played upset a little bit last year. You remember week two, App State goes into College Station takes down Texas A&M. App State ended up getting game day to come to campus. Like, that was huge, right? App State goes to North Carolina this coming Saturday. The spread is North Carolina minus 18 and a half for North Carolina. Now, remember, they just played a big-time spot last week against South Carolina. Drake May is dealing. Had a couple interceptions. We'll talk about that, but he's dealing. And that's a pretty emotional win, I would imagine. There was a lot they had to do to get up for that kind of game. Classic letdown spot for the Tar Heels here. Now, I know it's going to be a different team than you saw last year from App State, but remember, App State actually pushed North Carolina to the wire. This was like 63-61 was the final, I believe. North Carolina barely got it done. Different team, you know, different quarterback, all that. I understand. I think it'll be a more physical approach than what North Carolina saw last week against South Carolina. I'm just saying, keep an eye on this one. North Carolina cannot turn the ball over like they did last week. Drake May, two uncharacteristic interceptions for my money. App State's no stranger to the upset. Just keep an eye on this one. I'm not so sure that App State will be able to keep pace with North Carolina. And if we see North Carolina's defensive line look anything like they did against South Carolina and be anywhere close to that number of nine sacks, well, then this game probably feels a little bit different in that fourth quarter than we're talking about it right now. Go ahead and put that chance of upset for us at 28%. So App State, sneaky, no stranger to upsets, but we do think UNC ultimately has too much firepower. Speaking of no stranger to upsets, how about Eastern Michigan? They go to Minnesota. Minnesota didn't exactly look awesome against Nebraska, right? I mean, they scored 13 points and they took a walk-off field goal to get it done against Nebraska, who turned the ball over four times. Now, credit the defense for turning them over, but you understand what I'm saying here. Minnesota, you got it done in week one, but it wasn't exactly like, yep, that's going to be a dominant ball club the rest of the way. Now, they very well may be, but Chris Creighton, the head coach for Eastern Michigan, does more than just get scholarships to walk-ons. He has 
beaten multiple Power 5 teams since he's been the head coach there. Now, this is also an interesting stat. It means nothing, but it's worth talking about. A MAC team has beat a Big Ten team every year since 2006. Again, that stat means absolutely nothing going into this game. Minnesota's a 21-point favorite. Just worth noting. Also, P.J. Fleck and company, they lost to Bowling Green in 2021. So there's some history there of a little bit of a letdown from Minnesota. They're going to play this game, and those games won't matter. But you understand what I'm saying here. If we're looking at trends, this is an interesting one to circle. We'll put it at 23% chance of the upset for Eastern Michigan. I think Minnesota maybe got a little bit of a wake-up call with how they played against Nebraska. But keep an eye on that one. That's on our radar when it comes to upsets this coming weekend now here's a game that we just have to mention but it's not an upset by any stretch of the imagination we got asked a question actually in our live chat yesterday about this game and i told you we talk about it so we're gonna do it right now Ole miss favored by seven points hosting no no no, no. they're going to tulane now the reason why this isn't an upset tulane won a new year six bowl last year against usc we all saw that we all saw what they did in that game have an extremely capable quarterback and michael pratt who a lot of folks wanted to jump into the transfer portal so they could get them on their football team. Also, Tulane is ranked. Regardless of what you want to say about the AP poll and the coaches poll, like there's enough consensus out there to say Tulane is a top 25 team in the country. The nothing but ball poll doesn't go down to 25 teams. We just keep it in the top 10. But if it did, Tulane would be in our top 25. This is not an upset if Tulane gets this done. We've seen them do it enough times to where they are... Uh, they're not just sneaky. Like, this is a real-life, big-time matchup to a degree where Ole Miss better bring their A game. I mean, I think this game comes down to, quite frankly, how much Ole Miss has to counterpunch. We know they're going to give the ball to Quinshawn Judkins. We know he's probably going to get his. But what if, just what if, Quinshawn Judkins isn't as effective as Ole Miss wants him to be? When it comes to their game plan on Thursday, what if he isn't necessarily going for like four or five yards of carry and you find yourself in third and six, third and seven, obvious passing situations? Tulane just sells out to stop the run. Can Jackson Dart get it done? We'll see. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Going back to the game, Notre Dame at NC State, similar point spread. NC State has much less proven in my mind with this year's team, new quarterback, new OC, all that. Tulane, we know more about. They're nationally ranked. That one is not on the upset radar. That's just on the good game radar. Notre Dame, NC State, if you want to call it an upset, you can. We're talking about it because I think the impact would be tremendous. So a lot of games on the radar here when it comes to the upset alert meter. This is going to be a good week college football. It's always it's always the, the games that they say there's no way there's going to be an upset. We put out this segment last week. and had a lot of people reach out to us and say, bro, all, all those games you mentioned, there's no upsets happening. And we saw... We saw Colorado take care of business against TCU. So expect this weekend to be no different. No predictions there. Just kind of taking a pulse for what the upsets could look like in week two of the beautiful thing that is the college football season. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Hey, if this is your first time, we're so glad you're here. To say what I said at the top of this show, it is college football and only college football around here. Like we, we don't take a break and we don't talk anything besides the sport that you love, that we love. And we're just glad to have you here. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, no time like the present. We've got a lot of games to get into as we get rolling here throughout the season. We're going to be at Texas, Alabama this coming weekend in Tuscaloosa. So we're fired up, man. We're off to the races here. Now, like I was saying, it's college football and only college football here. 
And we appreciate the AP poll. Like the AP poll gives us a lot to talk about. It's a good landmark for where different teams are at in the eyes of the public. And I'm not saying the AP poll is just 100% wrong, but I don't think they're 100% right either. Because if I know our audience, you're probably a lot like us in the sense that we sit down probably 8 a.m. Saturday morning, maybe 9 a.m. Eastern time, and you're sitting down and you're watching either Big Noon Kickoff or College Game Day. And you may not move from that spot until Pac-12 After Dark finishes up. And I'll say this, I don't think the people that put together the AP poll have that same schedule. I think they do a lot of box score scouting. I think they look at what the final score was. I think they look at brands. We don't really do that around here. And so we took it upon ourselves to put together the nothing but ball poll which is true to form. We're looking at college football. We're watching the games. We're telling you what we think, and we're going from there. So there is no agenda. There's no additives. Like I say, there's no high fructose corn syrup baked into this thing. Just ball and only ball. So without further ado, let's get into it. Nothing but ball poll only goes with 10 teams. All right? We could do 25, but we're going to stick with 10 right now. All right? So at number 10, Washington Huskies. A new entry into the nothing but ball top 10. They throttled. Boise State. 56 to 19 was the final score. They got Tulsa up next. Then they go to East Lansing to play Michigan State. Listen, as long as Michael Penix Jr. is playing quarterback for them, they are going to be in every single game that they play. I don't think we learn a ton about them until they play Oregon October 14th in Seattle, mind you. And then they go to USC November 4th. So those are the two games that probably define their season the most. But I'm telling you, as long as they have Rome Udenza and Michael Penix Jr., that's a lethal combo. So that, that is what it is, man. I, I may have butchered Rome's name, so Rome, I apologize. But they're going to be really good. It is what it is. Roll, party, roll. Washington at 10. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, no time like the present. Lock in. We're going to keep this party rolling, all right? Now, at number nine, we got Notre Dame. They're also new to the nothing but ball poll, and they absolutely handle business their first two games of the season. And they have NC State at NC State this coming weekend. We're going to learn about them a little bit in this game. We'll talk more about that here just a little bit later in this live show. They've looked how we've expected them to look so far against Tennessee State and Navy, right? I mean, those were difficult in their own sense to get up for, but you took care of business how we'd expect you to take care of business. Now, when it comes to that game against Ohio State, September, th or September 23rd, and then you go to Duke, those are the two games where it's like, all right, what do we got under the hood here? Sam Hartman has been, I mean, seamless in terms of, becoming your starting quarterback there's no way to know that he played somewhere else before being at Notre Dame if you were just watching him for the first time these past two Saturdays how does he look against power five opponents we'll see but if they make it to the college football playoff based on their schedule they will have earned it we say it a lot on here Notre Dame is probably the most impactful college football team that's out there right now because they're going to play Clemson they're going to play Ohio State they're going to play USC they got to go to Duke so if they don't get in their set themselves Notre Dame that is they're going to have a chance to spoil it for somebody else. So Notre Dame, keep an eye on them. They're number nine in this week's nothing but ball poll. Now up one spot from last week, Tennessee benefiting from LSU stumbling. They took care of Virginia and we are all waiting on them to go to Gainesville week three and play Florida. Joe Milton and the way that he operates his leadership. I always say this, I think quarterbacks and head coaches teams take on the personas of those two individuals and Joe Milton man getting in the end zone there's a little bit of swag there a little bit of an edge now I felt that edge from Tennessee watching them in one game now it's only one game did what you're supposed to do against Virginia in Nashville so 
no such thing as a bad win. But it was just interesting to me to watch the way that they responded when things didn't go their way early. A couple of miscues. Don't exactly look like you're starting hot out of the gate. Doesn't matter. Collect themselves. End up just throttling Virginia and getting it done. So they're number eight for us this week. We're going to learn a lot about them week three, like I was mentioning. I'm curious to see how they look when they go and play in the Swamp, a place they haven't won in 20 years. So we'll watch that. But Tennessee, number eight for us in this week's Nothing But Ball poll. At number seven, another team that's up one spot, the Penn State Nittany Lions. 38-15 over West Virginia. This is the toughest team in my mind to not overreact to because there was so much talk about Drew Aller and what he could mean for them and what they could have in the vertical pass game. And I was doing my very best to get out in front of that conversation and say, it may take a second. It may take a second for him to totally mesh and just be the guy at Penn State and look like the quarterback you're all expecting him to look like. And then lo and behold, goes out and wins Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. So yeah, he, he looks great. Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to be a vertical presence for them, it looks like. We know what this roster is. We know what they're built to do. They're built to, at the very least, win 10 football games. Can they get over the hump against Ohio State and Michigan? That's the big question. And then also, by the way, can you be consistent and walk that tightrope against the other teams you're supposed to be? So we'll watch Penn State, number 10 for us right now, or in the top 10 right now for us, rather, at number 7 in the nothing but ball poll. Tough team to not overreact to. We kept them at 7 this week. A big mover potentially after this week. They're up one spot right now, but they could be a big mover when it comes to this time next week. The Alabama Crimson Tide sitting at number six. Alabama did Alabama things against Middle Tennessee. Man, I, I cannot wait for this weekend. We're going to learn so much about Alabama this coming weekend. We're not going to find them after this weekend, but we're going to learn a lot about what they're going to be the rest of the way. Jalen Milrow hitting the deep ball a few times against Middle Tennessee. Did he? he looked like he was uh, pretty in control, pretty poised. And there's a lot of people that will say, well, that was Middle Tennessee. And hitting the deep pass as a quarterback, to me, is a whole lot like hitting the three-point shot. Like, if you're open, you still got to hit that shot. Like, the, the size of the football field doesn't change when you're playing Middle Tennessee. When that receiver becomes open, if he's open against Middle Tennessee, he's open against Georgia, whoever he's open against, he's open. You better deliver a dime and hit him in stride, otherwise it doesn't matter doesn't matter so yes it was against middle tennessee but i was encouraged to see him line it up and hit three deep touchdown passes because they're going to need that going forward they want to play bully ball they want to play in the box they want to be able to try and you know impose their will physically but when it comes to that play action game and someone's open downfield hit isaiah bond hit malik benson was encouraged to see him do that this past weekend again alabama at number six for us in the nothing but ball poll now at number five down one spot First team to move down one spot so far. That's still in the top 10 right now, and that's USC. And USC, we're not penalizing you because you scored 66 points. There's some other tectonic plates shifting right now. We know we're going to learn a lot about USC when it comes to the games in October. Now they play at Colorado September 30th, so we'll see where things sit when that game arrives. I mean, there's no real opponent they've played just yet. It's been a San Jose State, and it's been Nevada. No disrespect to those teams. we got a caffeine alert. This coming Saturday, 10.30 Eastern kick against Stanford. Watch that game. Stanford, historically kind of a tough team, likes to play in the trenches. We'll get a good gauge, I think, or at least a good litmus test for where, uh, where, where USC is at on the defensive line side of things. I'm not saying Stanford's going to be a world beater. I'm just saying they're going to, you know, they're gonna take their shots, run the football. We're going we're gonna to find out about USC as we go on here. The number five this week, nothing to be 
dropped too far. Just some other teams making some moves. That's why they're at number five. Also a team down one spot from last week, Ohio State at number four. 23-3 against Indiana. No such thing as a bad loss. Or excuse me. No such thing as a bad win. No such thing as a good loss. I am circling that game at Notre Dame, as are you. Kyle McCord looked good. Didn't look like he was driving the Ferrari that we would all hope the, the offense would look like in week one. We have more thoughts about the situation with him and Devin Brown a little bit later in this live show. But all in all, you beat a Big Ten conference opponent on the road in your first start. Like, hey, hats off to Kyle McCord. We'll just see how they go as we get further along here. Now for number three, this is a team that made a jump two spots in the nothing but ball top 10. Florida State is the number three team for us in the country. And you want to know why? Because they dismantled a top five team in LSU. 45-24, you got folks in Tallahassee saying it should have been 45-17. There was a, a touchdown there at the, at the end late for LSU. This validated a lot of the hype that we had around Florida State going into the year. And that was our question. Hey, everyone's juicing up Florida State for good reason. But what happens when you roll the ball out there and play a team with a coach that knows how to win in Brian Kelly and a really good roster against LSU? What happens then? How do, how do you look when everyone's told you how good you are? Now, that's still the question we have for them as they go further along in their schedule, but you look at that roster preseason and in that game against LSU, and you kind of have the same feeling after week one. Hey, there's no real weaknesses within this roster for LSU, or for Florida State, rather, against LSU. So they're at number three this week. Consistency, consistency, consistency. It's key for all these teams, but especially for Florida State. You beat LSU. Now, can you walk the tightrope and not have a letdown spot against a team like Syracuse, like a team uh, like North Carolina, whoever it ends up being in the ACC that they end up having to play? Can you keep the main thing the main thing? Find out a lot about them going forward. Now, number two team in the country, no surprise here. You got Michigan. Man, wish they had covered. Selfishly, I wish they had covered that 36 and a half. That was one of our picks on against the suits, if you're following me on Instagram. Nonetheless, we move on. They looked how you wanted them to against Eastern Carolina, October 21st. They're at Michigan State. That's the first time where you really start to say, hmm, what's Michigan going to be? It's, it's a rivalry game. It's on the road. You kind of throw common sense out the window there. So far, so good. No Jim Harbaugh, no problem. Michigan, number two in the country for us in the nothing but ball poll. Now, at number one, also no surprise, you got Georgia. Georgia did Georgia things against UT Martin. It's going to be Georgia versus Georgia likely till November. And I don't mean that to say they're not going to play another team that's going to be, you know, solid talent-wise. I mean, they've, they play South Carolina here in a few weeks. My question is, Georgia versus Georgia in the sense of can you stay dialed in? Because everyone's telling you you've gone back to back. There's so much stress on you to have to go for a third in a row. There's so much stress on a lot of these guys stepping into that spot that are trying to keep the, the streak alive. Carson Beck... A lot of talk about his start. I thought he looked good. I mean, threw for almost 300 yards. Was it perfect? No. Is it going to be perfect your first time starting at quarterback for the University of Georgia? Like, probably not. Even so, we understand they got a, they got a real opportunity here to line themselves up how they want to when it comes to November and they play, almost, uh, play Ole Miss and they play Tennessee. I'm curious about that four-week stretch where you play South Carolina, Auburn, and Kentucky. I said four-week stretch. They also, I believe, play UAB somewhere in there. Bottom line, you're not going to get tested a ton before then. So can you give all those teams the appropriate amount of attention? Curious to see. So for us, that's nothing but ball poll. We'll take a quick review here. At number 10, you got Washington. At number 9, you got Notre Dame. At number 8, it's Tennessee. At 7, it's Penn State. 
Six is Alabama. Five is USC. At four, we got Ohio State. A riser, Florida State at three, Michigan at two, and Georgia at number one in the nothing but ball poll. So let me know how y'all feel about that. Let me know what y'all think, what your objections may be when it comes to, you know, some movements you'd like to see in that poll. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you being locked and loaded. Make sure you're subscribed if you're watching right now. Make sure you like the video as well as we're live in living color every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we appreciate y'all rolling with us and liking the video. So thank you in advance for that. Now week two is about to get rolling here. And it's always funny when the college football season starts because we have all these preconceived notions, all these things that we think we understand about this game, all these things that we think are you know definitive when it comes to week one, but then week one finishes up and week two comes around and we're like, man, maybe we don't know as much as we thought we did. Maybe Clemson does have issues. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I'm curious about what we're going to learn from week two because I think there's some interesting matchups and a lot of storylines that provide opportunities for us to learn a lot from week two. And I want us to kind of get aligned here. And, and the, the biggest thing that I think we're going to learn from week two or potentially the biggest thing we could learn from week two is in the biggest game of the week, we got Texas going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're going to be there. And here's my question. What happens if Texas doesn't have the fastball? And the fastball, we all understand, is the vertical attack with Xavier Worthy, with Adonai Mitchell, with Jatavian Sanders, probably running the seam somewhere. What happens if that isn't the edge for them in this upcoming game like it was last year? Forget the Rice game for a second. I'm not overly concerned about that. What if they don't have the deep ball in this game? Or they don't have the passing attack how they want to in this game as the edge they perceived it to be? Well, then they have to probably start running the ball, right? They have to be a little bit more of a team that can force Alabama to commit numbers to the box. And now that, that's one thing doing it a season ago with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but you've got a lot of new cats running the football now for Texas. How does that look? The reason why I'm curious to learn this for Texas if they want to go be a college football playoff team, they want to compete for a Big 12 title, there's going to be some point in time where they have to win without the fastball. So if you can win without the fastball in Tuscaloosa, if you can pull it off in Bryant-Denny Stadium with the eyes of the country on you, with that whole place packed out, that would make me feel a lot more confident about what Texas can be the rest of the way. Heck, I would imagine it makes them feel a lot more confident internally about what they can accomplish. Getting a win period in Tuscaloosa would be a huge confidence booster. How it looks, I think there's something to be learned. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. How about Coach Prime and company? What are they going to do for an encore? Because you rolled into Fort Worth, Texas, you're 20-point dogs, so much hype, so much pressure, but even so, there wasn't huge expectations for Coach Prime and company. The over-under win total was like three and a half. Now, I'm not saying that they're not going to be a really good team the rest of the way. What I'm saying is, at first, you have this, this impression from, from Deion Sanders from what he did in that TCU game, and once is extremely impressive. I do not want to take anything away from that. They made a statement in Fort Worth. But you do it again at home against a team like Nebraska, who's kind of wounded and limping, and they're coming to Boulder to try and you know muster all their strength in a rivalry kind of game with a new head coach. Like If you do it a second time, now that people are expecting more from you, now that Vegas is favoring you, you start to build an identity. And I think a big part of this is how they manage Travis Hunter in week two after he played 100 snaps. We'll talk more about him a little bit later in this live show as well. I'm just curious how they do it now with the perspective and the lenses around Colorado changing. 
because everybody's talking about Colorado. Everyone's talking about Deion Sanders. Everyone's talking about Shadur Sanders. And that's great. That's what you love. You welcome it if you're in Boulder, Colorado. But now, no longer being the underdog, that chip on your shoulder maybe is a little bit smaller. You would imagine it wouldn't be unreasonable if it became smaller. Curious to see how they look in this game against Nebraska. We already told you we pick them to win, but I'm curious to see how they look with the perspective changing around them. We've talked a lot about Notre Dame this show. This is going to be the first time for them where they get real resistance. NC State, that Dave Duran coach football team, strongly believe they're going to have a defense that brings it, to be real. I mean, Peyton Wilson, like I said, the best defensive player they've had to play so far. We have a definition of Notre Dame in our minds, and that's Sam Hartman, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's elevated that wide receiver play. They've got a really strong run game. Well, that, that's all great to have that definition when you play Navy and Tennessee State. What happens when you play a Power 5 team on the road, kind of a sleepy noon kick? What does that look like? When they feel real resistance, what do they look like? What's the quote? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I'd love to see Notre Dame get punched in the mouth. I think they're going to win that football game. I think they still get it done. But I would think I would think we learn a lot about Notre Dame based on how that game plays out. Now, if they walk out there and just blow the brakes off NC State and they score 40 and Sam Hartman goes for four touchdowns, 300 yards, well, then we learn something there too. We learn that they're more than ready to play Ohio State. So I'm excited to watch that one and uh, excited for us to see what we learn there. Whose offense is it anyways? Right? We love that show. We've seen that show a few times. Whose offense is it anyways? Well, we'll see the real thing this upcoming Saturday when Texas A&M goes to Miami. It's great for you to score over 50 points against New Mexico. That's great to hand someone the keys for a test drive on a straight road. What happens, though, when you got to take it off-roading, when it, when it becomes a little more treacherous, when you got to go on the highway, when the stakes get a little bit higher? Of course, I'm talking about the offense here. Jimbo Fisher is known for being an offensive guy. That's how he's made his name in the college football world. Now, though, with the way things went last year and the lack of success, whether he did it on his own or whether he was encouraged to hire an offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino is calling the plays for A&M. Is he really, though? Like, is, is it really Bobby Petrino's offense? I think we find out this weekend, and I think we find out as soon as something goes amiss. Like, if you get two, three and outs for Texas A&M, I am going to be fascinated to watch how that team responds. Fascinated to see how Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher are responding. And I think we'll be able to tell pretty quickly. I think we'll be able to tell how the offense looks. Does it look like it looked last year? Are we lining up in the same kind of operation we did last year? Do we see a lot of the things that we saw last year? Or is it, no, we're sticking with this power spread kind of approach. Bobby Petrino is our OC. We're going to let him cook. Like, let's go. Curious to see. I think we find out this weekend because they go on the road and play a real opponent in Miami. Now, this is the one that I'm most curious to find out about, and this is the one that I think could be the biggest learning point and maybe the most impactful learning point. Where's the Ohio State quarterback battle at? Is that thing decided? Is it? Because Kyle McCord pretty much played the entirety of the game against Indiana. I say pretty much. I know he didn't play every single snap, but he played the majority. And there was a discussion going into that game that, hey, both guys are going to play. We're going to give Devin Brown a fair amount of snaps. Like, they're going to kind of split reps was the way that we all perceived it to be going into that game against Indiana. And then for Kyle McCord to play the duration of the game, for the most part, it's like, okay, you're saying one thing, and I'm seeing another. And if we don't see Devin Brown against Youngstown State, when are we going to see him? If we don't see him get meaningful snaps. Now, Ryan Day has already said he wants Devin Brown to play more than he did last week. I need to see it. I need to see it to believe it. Because if you're not going to play Devin Brown against Youngstown State, I mean, 
okay, then we kind of have our answer there, right? You can tell me we want to get him more snaps as much as you want, but if, if he's not playing, then how much do you really want to play him, right? So I think a lot of that too is the timing of when he plays. Like if we see Devin Brown just get the fourth quarter, you and I could probably just get the fourth quarter for Ohio State against Youngstown State, to be honest with you. If we see him in the first half, that's the thing I really want to look at. Now, Ryan Day, I think, is being completely fair when he says that he wants these guys to get into a rhythm and it's hard to, you know, pull a guy when you feel like one guy is getting into a rhythm. So I understand it's a difficult balance to strike. But if you really want to find out who your quarterback is, this is the game and next game against Western Kentucky to really do that before Notre Dame. Because when it comes to that game against Notre Dame, man, like that is, that's the spot. That's the situation where it's like, we got a quarterback and we're rolling with you the rest of the way. There's no more calibration, no more who's our guy. Like it's either six or 33. That's what we need to know. So very, very curious to see how decided it is when it comes to this weekend. I'll say this too. I kind of felt like a, like a 16-year-old with a very rich father on Christmas watching Ohio State play last weekend. Where's my Ferrari? Where's my Ferrari at? I didn't see that against Indiana. I didn't see an offense that was scoring 40, 50 plus. Like I saw a team go out there, score 23. It was on the road. It was against a Big Ten team. I understand all of that. I understand it was his first time being the guy for Ohio State. But even so, though, we understand they should have scored more than 23 points against Indiana, right? I understand it's week one. Still should have seen more of an output there. Curious to watch how this whole thing plays out. And curious to see how it plays out post-Notre Dame, too. Like, if they struggle against Notre Dame, do we see this thing go into October? Do we see this thing go a little bit later in the season? I, I, don't, I don't know. Two really good options, but I'm just fascinated to watch how that thing plays out. So, a lot of things to be learned in week two. A lot of questions we're going to get answers to. I can't wait to watch it. Cannot wait to see it. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Appreciate everybody tuned in live, man. If you enjoy podcasts as well, make sure you watch live, please. We're, we're glad to have you here. We're going to get in the live chat here in just a little bit and hear from y'all's questions, concerns, takes, whatever it may be. And so we don't do that. And it's not available to you on the podcast because obviously you're not listening live. So we can't interact live. But if you like podcasts, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, type in the hard count with J.D. Pakel. You can find us right there. So we appreciate you in advance for that. And if you're new, make sure you're subscribed and make sure you've liked the video. So we can keep this party rolling. Now, a party that went on this past weekend was probably on the flight home from Fort Worth, Texas to Boulder, Colorado, because Travis Hunter, man, he is special. And he is a very big reason why they won that game against TCU. And so I kind of want to unpack what he did in that game. And I want us to understand this is not, this is not a performance. This is not a player we're going to get to see for a long time in college football one. So let's enjoy him while he's here. Let's appreciate the Travis Hunter show while it's on our TV screens at the collegiate level. Far be it for me to tell you he won't play both ways when it comes to the NFL because at this point, nothing would shock him with Travis Hunter. But even so, I want us to just kind of get aligned on what's going on right now in Boulder, Colorado. Make sure you're subscribed. It's college football every single day around here. If you're tuned in live right now, we appreciate you. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. College football, only college football. Make sure you're locked in, and we're going to have ourselves the greatest season there ever was. All right? Appreciate you in advance for that. A lot's made about Travis Hunter and his physical abilities. We're going to get to that in a second. The elite mindset that this kid has, I don't think it's talked about enough. Because think about the pressure that was on this kid. The pressure when he flips from Florida State on signing day, goes to Jackson State, follows Deion Sanders. Think about 
after he transferred to Colorado with Coach Prime, so the second time he commits to Deion Sanders, think about what would have been said about Travis Hunter if last week against TCU it didn't go the way that it did. I mean, he, he is he's in a situation where there's a lot of things that people are waiting to say about him. Hey, he wasn't developed at, at the FCS level. Made a mistake following Coach Prime, not playing Power 5 football. He's suffering because of that, and we saw it on Saturday when he played a Power 5 football team. That's what would have been said. People would have said he's overrated. Number two athlete in the country, or excuse me, number one athlete in the country, number two player in the country. Are you kidding me? That's who that guy is? I don't see it. I don't see it. People would have said that. And they would have enjoyed saying that. He's a bust. He's overrated. People would have said that. What are they saying now? <laughs> right? What are they saying now? Elite competitor mindset. He blocks it all out. He just plays football. He's also chosen to trust the process that he's committed to with Deion Sanders. And I don't want to be too hyperbolic with this because I think that's a risk we run here in week one. But Travis Hunter has been a guy that we haven't heard a lot about with, you know, looking at other opportunities. I mean, I promised you, there were other people that wanted him when he jumped in the transfer portal. We all understand that. There were a lot of people, I promise you, throwing bags at Travis Hunter to get him to come to their school. Instead, trust Deion Sanders, trust Colorado, sticks with the process. And he's being asked to do something right now that's incredibly difficult, playing both ways, playing over 100 snaps, like, let's appreciate this while it's here because we, we, we may never see this again. In the modern era of college football, in the modern era of athletics, we see kids specializing more and more. They're playing less sports. They're playing one position at the high school level. Th this may not be something we see for another 20 years at the collegiate ranks. And again, I'm trying not to be too hyperbolic, but what I'm seeing on the field from Travis Hunter is exactly that. It's extremely, extremely rare. And as much credit as Travis Hunter deserves, right up there with him is Deion Sanders. Because Deion Sanders is essentially saying by having Travis Hunter play both corner and receiver for his football team, for at the Power 5 level, he's saying, I'm going to let my very best player impact our chances of winning, impact this football game as much as humanly possible. That's a very difficult thing to manage. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's Deion Sanders, who did it in the NFL who played corner, who played receiver at a high level. And what this is for Colorado now, this is a tremendous recruiting tool. There's, there's no way around it. It's a tremendous recruiting tool. You want to know why? Because Deion Sanders made this pitch to Travis Hunter and said, come play for me. I know you got a lot of other schools on the table, a lot of other more proven commodities. Come play for me. Come play both ways for me. It's going to work out. It's one thing to say that. It's a whole other thing to have it work out to this point. And to have it work out to this point, if you can make that kind of pitch that's on paper crazy to one of the top players in America, what's another player going to say? The trust factor for Deion Sanders, the, the legitimacy factor for Deion Sanders just skyrockets. There's, there's some perception out there that Deion Sanders is all bravado. He's all talk. Doesn't look like that to me. Didn't look like that to TCU this past Saturday. Doesn't look like that with Travis Hunter and the way that they've utilized him. It looks like he's made good on exactly what he said to this point with Travis Hunter and with Colorado. So if you can pitch that to the number one athlete in America, come play both ways, and it works, what can't you pitch to other five-star players when it comes to the recruiting trail? Now, the challenge is very obvious. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. The challenge is to keep Travis Hunter fresh. 
Like when it's all said and done, if he keeps playing 100 snaps a game, he's going to be right around 1,200 snaps at the end of the regular season. That's what he's pacing for after week one. That's insane. Human body is not meant to do that, especially not playing Division I Power 5 college football. Not supposed to happen. Again, though, if someone can manage it, it's Deion Sanders. And instead of us all critiquing and talking about what Travis Hunter won't be or can't do or all that, like let's just enjoy the fact that we got a special athlete playing corner and playing receiver at a very elite level for a head coach that did it at an elite level already. So what Colorado is the rest of the way, we're not resetting the bar for them and saying, oh, you beat TCU, a top 25 football team, you better win 10 games or else Deion Sanders isn't, isn't the man anymore. Like, no, it's year one. I sat right here with Andy Staples and we both agreed like, hey, if they make a bowl game, if Colorado does that, give, give Deion Sanders the key to Boulder, Colorado. Put a statue in front of the stadium. And so they're 1-0. They welcome Nebraska this coming weekend. We'll get another data point on them. But I am, I'm very, very excited to see what they do the rest of the way. Very excited to see what Travis Hunter does the rest of the way. And uh, we're going to enjoy him while he's playing college football. And that's that, man. I'll tell you what. That's that. Also, the thing with, with Colorado, too, man, like, it's year one. It's year one. There wasn't a ton of doubt for me personally of if he would eventually get it together. It was year one. That's a lot of new pieces. We've never seen that before. How is that going to work out? So, so far, working out just fine. And this weekend will be a lot of fun on Big Noon Kickoff for Boulder, Colorado, and company. All right, now here's another question we've gotten quite a bit over the course of last 24 hours, really since clock hit triple zeros in Durham, North Carolina, and they got that storm the field kind of situation. What's up with Clemson, man? Is Clemson done? Got a couple DMs from y'all saying, is Clemson finished now? In short, no, Clemson is not finished. I'll tell you why in a second. Make sure you're subscribed. It's college football only college football every single day live Tuesday Wednesday Thursday right here on the on through YouTube channel is the hard count follow me on Twitter follow me on Instagram at JD Paquel to stay up with all that we got going on within this show promise you, we, you, you you will not regret it as we keep rolling the college football season being subscribed right here so again in short no Clemson is not done and there's two things that can be true right now the first is there is a very obvious leak that has been sprung within this ship that is the Clemson football team. Very obvious leak, very obvious weakness within this situation. They don't have dynamic playmakers. Based on week one, that's what we're taking away. Maybe we get here to week six, that's overreaction. Based on what I saw in North Carolina, I don't think it is. Now, here's the other thing that's true. This is a very big boat. <laughs> this is a boat, this is a situation now at Clemson that has seen its fair share of ups and downs and had to overcome adversity and all that. A lot of things are said about this Clemson operation. You also have a really capable roster. Clemson has recruited well. We'll talk about the dynamic they've recruited, but regardless, they've recruited well when it comes to how you rank them the last couple of years. Multiple top five classes. There's enough talent on this roster. They also have a very capable captain. Dabo Sweeney, no mixed opinions on him. People are either one side or the other side when it comes to Dabo Sweeney. They love him, they hate him, whatever it ends up being. I'm just telling you, dude's won a lot of football games. He knows what he's looking at. Is it ideal to lose the opener? No. Clemson's lost the opener twice since Dabo Sweeney's been there. One was to Georgia when they won the national title. The other was to Georgia, and I believe they had a guy named Todd Gurley running the football for them. So I, I think that's probably what you can say about where they're at right now. The Duke game, I think, is a wake-up call. 
and they lost to an NFL quarterback in Riley Leonard. If Riley Leonard doesn't play quarterback for Duke, Clemson probably finds a way to win that football game. Now, the reality is he does play quarterback for Duke, so they lost that football game. And I, I think there's a tendency here for us to overreact based on what we saw week one. Week one wasn't pretty for Clemson. Nobody's arguing that. But to say that they're just done and then jumping to the transfer portal as the reason why they're done, I think is just irresponsible. And the transfer portal, to be clear, is not the problem for Clemson. Using the transfer portal is not why Clemson lost the game. Or the lack of using the transfer portal is not why they lost to Duke. Now, using the transfer portal could be a solution to the problem at Clemson. But the problem at Clemson, we talked about it on the live show yesterday morning, it's the lack of dynamic playmakers. Got a lot of big dudes that can go up and get the football and a lot of guys that run right around six foot three, six foot four when you measure them. But like outside of Antonio Williams, you don't have somebody that makes me nervous that you're going to pop the top on my defense. I keep it all in front of us. You throw your jump ball. That's 50-50. Win some, lose some. We'll live that way. So you have that paired with how many mistakes they had for the first time. Quarterback being the guy for, for Clemson, did K. Klubnik in the opener. I understand he started games before, but I mean, for his first time being the quarterback at Clemson, like, I don't think that we can look at the transfer portal and say, that's why you lost. We talked about it yesterday. Duke didn't ravage the transfer portal over the offseason. Duke took seven players, three from the FCS level. Duke wasn't just rolling out there and, and the better team because they took transfer players. No. And I understand your frustration at Clemson could be we're not taking transfers and that's why we don't have dynamic skill players. Okay, that's fine. But why do you have the skill players that you have? Because of the way you're building the roster. Because every coach in America has a criteria they look for at certain positions. Some go as specific as we want this 40 time, we want this height, weight. That's kind of the, the building blocks you start with. And there's always outliers and I understand that. But for Clemson, Far be it for me to tell them how to build their roster. But if it were me, I think that might be something to take a closer look at. Now, Dabo Sweeney makes a lot more money than me to make decisions around his football team. So again, I'm not throwing stones here, but I'm just saying the problem from the outside looking in feels pretty obvious. You could solve the problem through the portal. But again, the portal is living paycheck to paycheck. The portal is making a, a situation better each offseason. It's, it's not sustainability. It's not recruiting the way that you want to recruit. And Clemson recruited really good recruiting classes, but the dynamic playmakers within those, I'm curious to see how that looks going forward. So this season is the season. They still have some guys they think can do some good things for them and kind of emerge. They feel good about Cole Turner. They feel good about Adam Randall eventually being a guy that can stretch the field for them a little bit more. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying based on what we saw against Duke, that is the issue. Not that they haven't gone to the transfer portal. So when it comes to Clemson this year, man, the key is adjusting. Like we all saw that. What happened on, on Monday night isn't going to cut it the rest of their schedule. If they play that way and miss field goals and turn the ball over in the red zone, like, yeah, that's probably not going to be their last loss. But this situation we see right now with Clemson, the way we're talking about them, it just screams. It screams with all of its might what last year's Notre Dame was. Remember, Notre Dame, they lose to Marshall. Tyler Buckner's not playing anymore. He's hurt. You're playing your backup quarterback. And everybody and their mama just took all their Notre Dame stock, threw it in the river. They didn't even sell it because they didn't think I'd get anything for it. So they just threw it in the river and said, oh, well, next year, we'll look at that again next year, I guess. Notre Dame went on to win like nine football games. Okay. So what my point is here, talent is always going to give you a, a puncher's chance. Like Clemson, the rest of their schedule, 
They're going to have a better roster than just about every team they play. You talk about Florida State. You talk about the game against Notre Dame, and that'll be interesting. But, like, the talent is there. So don't panic because one game on a Monday night to start the season where you made a lot of mistakes and there's an NFL quarterback on the other sideline beat you. It is what it is. Clemson played poorly enough to lose. Duke played well enough to win. You don't take anything away from Duke. You look internally at Clemson and say, how do we adjust? But to just say that Clemson is done and that this is the end of the era for Dabo, I think is irresponsible. And we won't take part in it on this show. So that's how we feel about that. And curious to hear y'all's thoughts. So let me know in the comment section. Heck, get at me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Judy Piquel, and let me know via the DMs or tweet at me, whatever it ends up being. How do you feel about Clemson? You think Dabo's done? We don't. We just made that very, very clear. So right now, we're about to go to your questions, thoughts, concerns with Nick Break, the keeper of the queue. Before we do that, though, I got to tell y'all something. Hard count brought to y'all by Bird Dogs. The deal with Bird Dogs is, one, they look really good. They feel really good. Perfect example for y'all. Before the Monday night game, long weekend of college football, wife and I aren't, aren't getting a ton of time together. Obviously, we're watching ball, and, and it's, it's not quality time, right? So what do we do? Go to the Mexican restaurant right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Great spot. And we go sit down, have a little dinner before we get rolling with the Monday night game. All right? And so they bring out some salsa. And I'm wearing bird dogs. I want to look good on the date night. So that's the first part of that. But I'm, I'm eating the salsa. Salsa falls onto my bird dogs. And I'm like, no, this is not good. And, and for those of y'all that know me, I'm the kind of individual that as soon as I spill something on my clothes, like we got to just go water park mode and dump every water that we can find around us onto it to try and make sure the stain doesn't set. Is it a good idea? I don't know, but we're taking action quickly. And so I proceed to dump my ice water onto my bird dogs to get the salsa out. And other shorts, I would have been like, oh man, I guess I'm walking out of here looking like I had an accident in the restaurant. Instead though, get the stain out, bird dogs, the nice moisture wicking kind of feel to it and the, and the fabric it's made of. As soon as we finished dinner, it was dry, walked out of there, no problem, feeling good, looking good. So that's my bird dog story, redeem code JD. Get yourself a little hydro flask style water bottle when you order from birddogs.com. So make sure you get yourself some of those so you can avoid those kind of situations. All right, is what we're trying to say. Now, to get to some of y'all's thoughts, questions, concerns, bring it on. The keeper of the queue. If you're if you're watching on podcasts, listening on podcasts, this is where you miss out the most, not seeing the handsome Nick break. Nick, how we doing, my guy? How we doing? What's up, man? Hey, uh, we got some questions today. Um, as we always do, mm. uh, I'm kind of going in order. So if you send it recently, if you if you send it, excuse me, if you've already sent a question, why don't you just throw it back in? Um, just because a lot of comments, a lot of arguments, and I uh, hope not to miss track <laughs> on it. Uh, so first question, um, I'm gonna have to find it. There it is. Cole asks SJD, what is your lock of the week? Lock of the week. That's a really good question. I was looking through this earlier. I really think. And lock of the week is such a strong word. So here, first and foremost, follow me on Instagram because we're giving out our actual picks and those will be a little bit more thought through locks for you. And locks is a strong word to use in general. I keep looking at SMU Oklahoma, man. Preston Stone, I said it before, you got a power five quarterback, a power five wide receiver in Jordan Hudson. I'm not 100% sold on that defense just yet. I think 16's a lot. If it's still at 16, somewhere around 16, 15 for, for SMU, that's how many points they're getting. I think plus 16, plus 15 feels pretty generous. I think Oklahoma still wins. Also, I think you could see a little backdoor situation there for SMU. So 
today i'm going to go ahead and say smu plus the uh plus the 15 there also colorado minus three i think colorado is going to cover that so those two i like a lot colorado minus three and smu plus 15 go ahead and uh not lock it up but follow me on instagram and we'll probably put some picks out there okay uh reed shannon says hashtag sjd in your opinion who are the top three teams in terms of uniforms? Ooh, in terms of uniforms? And I'm imagining he's asking just overall, right? We're probably not going like alternates and all that. Man, I got to put, this is so tough because there's two trains of thought here. You can go traditional and stick with what you know, or you could go with, you know, the more trendy, wear a bunch of different alternates. Oregon's absolutely in my top three. So we'll go no, no order here. I'll go top top three are Oregon. Dude, the, the Ohio State alternate black uniforms are the standard by which I think every black uniform should be judged. And then we'll talk a little bit here about, uh, we've talked about Clemson already, man. I think Clemson with the, the purple alternates, those are clean, dude. I really like those. So there's also others that could get honorable mentions. Michigan's probably somewhere in there. The winged helmet's iconic. An LSU helmet, sick. I love LSU's uniform. It's a really classic look. So I'll go with those three as my top three right now. Don't hold me to it. Let me know in the chat, though, what y'all think. Let me know via the socials as well who's, uh, who's your top three uniforms. I'm curious to hear there. So that's my thoughts, though, Nick. Nick, do you have a, you have a top three uniform combo you like? Top three uniform teams, rather? Oh, man. I, I should have known you were going to ask me, man. I don't know. I'll tell you, um, Football uniforms always look cool, I guess. Whenever, especially like this time of year, you know, you hadn't seen football for a while. I mean, obviously, mm. you watch it every day of the year, but you're like, oh wow, man, that's a really smooth combo. But uh, no, man, Notre Dude, Dame with the with the golden dome. I love the like, go- you the know classics. I like the, yeah you know I like that uniform. I also really like when Notre Dame wears their white because I think the mm. the, the the dome kind of pops off a little more. Mm. Shamrock greens, those yeah. are kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, missed opportunity not wearing the green in Ireland if you're a uh, little bit if you're Notre Dame, you know. But you know, I, with your fashion sense, had to get your thoughts there. You're a man. You're probably the best dressed in the office, so I had to make sure we, you know, got yeah, it out there. Yeah, my Adidas hoodie, man, going going a long way today in terms of being best dressed. Uh, JD, since I disappointed by being on the spot there, I'm going to put you on the spot and Love ask it. a random question from one of our one of our very uh, frequent questionnaires, Rocky Top Tom. Mm. JD App State and UN versus UNC Mississippi Ole Miss versus Tulane. Uh, so Rocky Top Tom says pick an App State and Tulane to win. Uh, mm. What do you think? I don't hate it. Um, when it comes to locks of the week, too, App State getting I think they're like 19, 18 and a half, something like that. That feels like a good one in terms of coverage. Uh, I don't know about App State winning that football game. Now, we could come in here Sunday morning and eat our words. That would not be a new thing for us. Uh, But I I think UNC just offensively will have too much firepower. I haven't heard the latest on Tez Walker at the time of us being live right now. So I think UNC wins that game. Tulane could very, very realistically be Ole Miss. Like, like that's why we didn't have it as an upset. We talked about it in the upset segment because the brands are so interesting with a group of five team and an sec team but it's like a six and a half seven point spread if Tulane wins that game they're a top 25 football team they won a new year six bowl last year like it would not be an upset but i don't think it's a bad pick at all i do think ole miss wins but if they win it ain't an upset if Tulane gets that done yeah really quick love JD. a rocky top tom sorry uh, go ahead, yeah brother. oh yeah who doesn't uh, really quick when louisville wears their white helmets those are awesome Ooh. it's just a really cool look um 
Uh, but yeah, how about, what, two more questions? What do you I think? love it, man. That's that's a good call with Louisville, though, man. With the, yeah. with the whites. I mean, also you you being an Adidas guy, like when they go with the yeah. icy white uniforms, mm -hmm. they got kind of the red accent. It's clean, man. It is it's really clean. nice. It is. It's a lot better than their matte black. I don't really like matte helmets, but um. Oh really? Interesting. You don't like really. the matte the matte look for you? No, no. Okay, I, I just can't get on board with it. I'm sick of chrome too. Maybe it's because I went to WKU hmm. and they wear the chrome dome. But I'm tired. To of each that their well. own. To yeah. each their own. That's fair. Uh, this next question. Uh, this is kind of a broad question. The nothing but ball, uh, JD. We'll have to talk a little not about ball here because mm. Joshua asks JD, "What do you think about conference realignment? And will there need will there be a need for? Excuse me. Will there be a need? Okay, this is really question. I love it. Yeah, I love okay. it. Just, what do you think about conference realignment? My you know, friend? so <laughs> for those of y'all that are tuned into this channel, Andy Staples has a show that he does here almost every single day it's it's a nighttime show it's also in the podcast feed phenomenal if you haven't yet subscribed that's reason enough to subscribe but he sat down with none other than big cat from barstool sports and they do pardon my take and, and he's just one hilarious but i thought there was a conversation they had that was right on the money and it's essentially just like getting to the point of let's just let all the dust settle like whoever's going to move move this seems to be the time where we're all switching conferences and we're all figuring out where we want to be long term like that's fine we're coming to an end of an era anyway this is the last season i kind of call it like the last dance kind of season if you will with college football as we know it whether you like it or not it's where we're headed so my whole thought behind it and what what they said to a t was let's just get wherever the final resting place is and then let's start to rebuild to what college football is going to be going forward like all this musical chairs it's fine when you know it's like spring and we're not yet into spring games and it's like march like that, that, that's all fine but when it comes to actual college football being played if you're going to move move but let's talk about actual college football is kind of how i feel in relation to these schools it's a great question let's just let all the dust settle and then we can kind of get a good feel for what college football will be going forward as long as we got saturday the sport's going to be fine yeah but the realignment in itself uh it, it does sit a little bit weird with you you know uh, so the part that I got stumbled on, Joshua corrected, it's talked about an in-conference playoff mm. uh, to make the conference championship game. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, I think... With these huge conferences. Yeah, the only issue there in my mind is if it's an in-conference playoff to make another playoff. Yeah. The SEC <laughs> probably will have like three or four teams. The, the Big Ten will have three or four teams that it's like, are we really leaving... Ohio State out of the dance if they finish third in the Big Ten, but they have a way better record than whoever the next, I guess, Big 12 team is, or we can just tell from watching ball. Again, nothing but ball pull. Very crucial there to be tuned in with as we get rolling into that kind of era. Mm -hmm. Are we really leaving them out of the playoff? I understand you want to put the best teams to play the best teams, but I, I think some of that would probably have to involve other, you know, multiple teams from the same conferences is how I feel about that, Nick. Good okay. question, though. Yeah, uh, one more question. Uh, but first, uh, thanks for the super chat, F uh, Fidel. Sorry if I got your name wrong, but uh, Seminole fan here. Thanks for the content, JD. There you go. Thank you Love very it. much. Uh, Alex Diaz just got this one in. Do you think Bama will finish top four after they beat Texas this week? I think, well, so I'll, I'll say this. Uh, they will be top four in the nothing but ball poll if they win this week. So, Obviously, if Bama just handles business the rest of the way and they get to the SEC title game and they and they let's say they go undefeated, lose to Georgia in the SEC title game in Atlanta, I have a very difficult time believing they won't be in the playoff. This would be a huge game for Alabama to win, but I don't think it tells us everything we need to go we need to know about Alabama because Alabama's being favored by a touchdown at home. So like 
Alabama, in theory, should win this game, should take care of business. But to the exact same token, I think there's still more to be learned about them in terms of making the college football playoff when it comes to SEC play. So would they be into the top four? For us, they would be. But again, it's only week two, and we got a lot of ball to be played. So that's kind of how we feel about that. So how about that, Nick? That's, that's, that's a good show right there. What do you think? Yeah, man, a lot of questions. Sorry we didn't get to them all. Love every bit of the uh, engagement in here today. Um, by the way, I asked who wins, Alabama or Texas. It was Texas for a while, but Alabama's got 64% of the vote, so starting to align with what you said yesterday on the show, D.D., but uh, until tomorrow, my friend. Beautiful. Nick, I appreciate you, man. Nick Brake, keeper of the queue, producing everything you see here, punching the show live, getting the graphics set for us. Like, dude is an absolute workhorse getting it done, so we appreciate him enormously. A quick correction. I called Rome Ozune. Ozuna, I called him something like that. His name is Rome Odunze. So, Rome I'm sure you watch frequently, so we appreciate you rolling with us to the end of the show to get your name corrected and get it on the money. It's going to bother us if we didn't get it corrected there. All right, well, here's the deal. We're back on the air tomorrow morning, Thursday, best day of the week because it's tomorrow and it's going to be the next show, 11 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you're tuned in. We'll be giving you our final thoughts for everything week two college football. Talk Colorado, Nebraska. Talk Texas, Bama. Talk a little bit about Texas A&M at Miami. I mean, there's a lot of games to break down still. We've given you our picks already, but our final thoughts coming for you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. This is the greatest time of your college football season is here in full force. Make sure you don't miss the show. Make sure you're subscribed. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 